The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Planning necessary public infrastructure for our future is becoming politicised with the government increasingly taking a top-down approach. Is that the right way to do it, that they know best? Or would local communities know better? Or would they be simply uh, disruptors to what the great and good want for us? Well, uh, Conor Skeen, Sunday Independent columnist, town planner and urban theorist, has been uh, meditating upon these matters. Uh, Good morning, Conor. Good morning, Pat. Now, uh, most of these are crystallised in local cycleways versus the residents and uh, also you know people want uh, maybe cars not to go through their neighbourhood they want car free zones except for them the people who live there what are we doing wrong? Well, we are doing too little too late, uh, as is so often the case with things to do with transport. Transport's a very complex soup of things that are of necessity, top down, uh, but the impacts are all felt from the bottom up. So we need to move toward a more blended solution. Uh, We are not short of opportunities for public consultation when we make our county development plans, not enough local area plans. Uh, There's massive non-participation by people in those. If you incentivise people, for instance, saying you can't put an objection in unless you participated in the plan making process, That might be an easy way to do it, for instance, to get people uh, motivated to become involved in it. The big problem, though, is that there are two opposing forces. So planning by its nature is a thing that's far the common good. It's far everybody. But individuals are motivated selfishly. And I don't mean the bad sense, but we all look after ourselves first. So all of our instincts about having liberties taken away from us are really pushed. It's a a hot button to push. But planning has to do that. Now, certain things, uh, rarely do you have an objection to. Say a local new primary school yeah because people say well that you know if it's not me it's my children's children who who are going to go to uh, this school that's a good thing yeah um on the other hand a cycleway by which the children might get to that school could be a different matter because my parking is going to be lost well part of that is the way that it is done so we we live in a very uh, fragmented uh Uh, public world. So, for instance, the large parks that take up a lot of the edge of our cities could be used for actually cycling through in a structured way, for instance. But the parks departments, as far as they're concerned, the park is for uh, fun and sport and recreation. But But Fairview Park is a classic example of that, where you have all along the seafront from Sutton Mm -hmm. right through almost to the centre of the city, uh, you have a cycle lane. And then where it could have gone into Fairview Park, It doesn't. It takes up road space. Now, is that someone's ideology or is that a practicality or is it the Parks Department? I think that there is a a lack of joined up thinking. So as somebody who was originally the founder of the Irish Landscape Institute, I would be a huge defender of parks and I hate seeing them being used for things that are not park related. But movement is is animates all kinds of parks. So I think that all kinds of cycling routes like that, things like that can definitely go into park like spaces so long as they're not nature dependent. So the idea of doing things like greenways along rivers is as cracked as a halfpenny watch because the river doesn't need lots more concrete and steel put into it. So that'd be one example. But going back to your point about trying to have something that benefits everybody, it's extraordinary how quickly a community benefit uh, becomes something that objects, that is objected to locally. So years back, uh, the wonderful Dave O'Connor, when he used to be the manager out in Fingal, he tried to do a lot more of that joining up and what he discovered was really fierce resistance from neighbourhoods not wanting as they thought strangers passing through their, their neighbourhood
neighbourhood, even though those strangers would be children on their way to school safely. And the same neighbours would never turn up at the post-mortem, God forbid, of the kid who was knocked down trying to cross the, the busy roundabout they shouldn't have been on in the first place. So we need to get people to understand that there are responsibilities uh, toward the wider community as well as rights to protecting your local assets. Now, talk to me about uh, this uh, much-touted idea of the 15-minute city. Yeah. Because uh, time was, if you lived 100 years ago in Rathmines, you lived in a 15-minute environment because every shop you needed, a hardware shop, a barber's, a cobbler's or whatever, you had it at your doorstep. Mm. Life has changed. Many of those businesses have closed down. You have to travel to get to one of them. Yeah. So... The 15-minute city, again, in DIT years ago, we had a thing, believe it or not, called the 5-minute city, and it had a charter of civic rights, but things that you should be entitled to have within 5, 10 or 15 minutes walk or cycle of your home. So it's a, it's a very old idea. Uh, unfortunately, it has become sucked into the kind of identity politics, the us and them, the winner-take-alls types of, of politics we're seeing at the moment. Where that means if I'm able-bodied and I can walk or cycle, um, then uh, this is for me. Yeah. If I'm elderly, disabled in any way, uh, or, or a woman. Or, or, or a, a woman. woman. It's with, extraordinary yeah. the extent to which curtailments of car movement affect women vastly disproportionately to men. Women use cars completely differently to men for everything from personal safety and security through to the fact that most women take a car journey shared with somebody else. They're great sharers. So we've been very yeah, it's, careful. It's a child by and large, isn't it? Or, or an elderly relative. Yeah. You know, uh, or, or a neighbour. So it's a, it's a very common thing. So we have to be very, very careful in terms of how we analyse these decisions to make sure we look at how the effects fall. You see, the, the visionaries, the ideologues will have this vision of um, the woman uh, dressed in her Lululemon and gear and her trainers pushing the buggy with a knapsack on yeah. her back which contains uh, some sort of uh, crystal water mm-hmm. uh, and blab and oats probably as well yeah. and that's the woman they designed these things they for do, yeah. and, the and, real life woman has many more uh, burdens when we were studying architecture fado fado we had this wonderful guy Sean Rothery who teaches I remember Sean Sean yeah. yeah and Sean had been badly injured in a climbing accident once and he learned a lot about making sure things were, were uh, easily got at by people who are disabled but Sean, to his credit, you say, and remember, disabled means a young woman with three kids, two in a buggy and one dawdling behind. That's disabled too. And unless you're planning your places for her, you're not planning at all. So how do you reach the compromise where you you want to make things better for everybody, but it means maybe in some cases taking away some rights, the right to park outside your door, um, how do you do it? I think that the, the you've you've hit the nail on the head in the sense that it's compromise, it's conversation. Nothing is easy. There's no grand winner takes all. When the moment you're into winner takes all, everybody loses. So for instance, take cycling. I mean the, the phone lines will light up if we've mentioned the word cycling. But anyway, uh, the most important sign in Dublin to its cyclists is the one outside the door to Trinity. It says cyclists dismount. So we need to have a clear picture in my mind of where, in everybody's minds, as to what you're entitled to do and where you're entitled to do it. But the other side of that coin is where you're not allowed to do it. So when we say where cars can't go, we also have to say where people can't go, we don't expect to be able to go cycling up a, a motorway, for instance. So we need to extend out our yeah. vision as to where I mean, you can or can't go. Often, every day, I would see cyclists going the wrong way down a one-way street. Now, that is against the law. Um, however, it could be made uh, legal yeah. because in some countries it is okay for a cyclist Absolutely. but it means everybody slows down to allow that to happen. And and it's in designated areas so I was in Vienna recently and the Viennese are very very advanced in terms of things like that and they're very clear that cyclists should be able to go up and down uh, streets in 
certain areas both ways and uh, that's what we have to do is to understand what the parameters and rules yeah, are. So because rules often the planners in laying out the way things are make it such a long journey for a cyclist to follow the de- the, de- the proper route yeah. when they know there's a shortcut. Now I often wonder why doesn't the cyclist simply dismount <laughs> and walk along Stephen Street where, where I see them regularly going up the wrong way. Yeah. It's only a short street. But I've cycled my entire life. I've never owned or driven a car in my life so I've always been dependent on bikes and the most important moment is the day you get off a bike and realise this is the right thing to do. I was in, in uh, Bruges once in, in, uh, with uh, Lork and Sir and we watched a policeman haranguing a young man saying do you not have enough sense to understand at this time of the day you should be walking your bike and not cycling it. And to me that was the essence of civilization that he was appealing to the guy's decency and common sense and you didn't need a rule and you didn't need a big sign. Now the question of moving people about, I mean some people by dint of circumstance have to buy their house in the hinterland. Mm-hmm. They can't, uh, you know, have this 15 minute city and buy a, a 600,000 euro apartment in the centre of Dublin, which seems to be all the developers can manage to build for whatever reason. Um, the idea that uh, with rapid transit and it has to be rapid, build it and they will come. In other mm-hmm. words, build rapid transit to the hinterland and then allow development around those hubs. It's the way railways have always worked. Yeah, and indeed a lot of uh, countries, the suburbs were built by the same people who built the railways. It was, yeah. a, it was a proposition that was done. It's a little more complex in the sense that we need to have a broader church as to what we think of as being transit. Dublin is already a relatively low density city so things like bus services service spectacularly well and they get no credit for it at all and uh, they're really important so yes build around public transport but not be trapped into the toys for boys business yeah. that it has I mean, to be I'm, I'm not saying that rapid transit has to be rail I exactly. would love though in the city centre that there would be rapid transit so people can avoid actually going through the city if they don't need to Well that's the thing not just rapid but free as well so we need to think through if we're really serious about it instead of telling people what they can can't do of saying congestion charges and banning cars. Let's emphasise what people can do and make it a pleasure and a convenience. That's the way forward. You bring people with you. Mm. Now, the question of five year terms in government and Mm. uh, everything getting politicised and the Greens come in and they insist on their agenda, which is uh, fine as far as it goes. If the Greens are turfed out, then there might be a totally different agenda Mm. the next time. With Slauntecare, God help us, Mm. we had all party agreement and we had a 10 year Uh, kind of window during which to implement it we're not going to achieve what we want to achieve but do we need something like that in planning much more long termism you know, a vision, in other words. I've got to sound like a weasel again. We need both ends. So we need very, very fizzy, busy local stuff. Uh, so people are involved at a local level and incentivized to do it. We do definitely need longer term structures. We went some way toward it by having things like the agencies for Irish Water, the agencies for the NTA, the agencies for the Rail Procurement Agency, who had that long view that was over politics. And uh, I think what we need to do is go back and do some homework on the governance of those things, how they work, and to have very visible structured relationships between them and elected members and ministers uh, because we can't have a continuation of the thing as you say policy changes yeah. from time to time that's no good no Finally um, the, I think maybe the last time we talked it was about uh, you know the banning of cars from places and you saying that's not necessarily appropriate uh, if people need cars to get to places uh, people make places safe 
They do. If you don't have people, no matter how they get there, public transport or cars, then those places are less safe places to be. Yeah, I mean, to get to you now, I just walked up Cable Street, right? And on Cable Street, you have a bunch of stores that sell, I can't mention their names, but they sell big, heavy uh, equipment for building sites and things like that. You're not going to collect those in the back of a bike. And also, that same street has been very contested recently by the people who enjoy themselves, and good luck to them doing that, in pubs and cafes and things like that, spilling out and becoming disorderly. Nothing quite like a car going down a street to keep order on the street as to where you can yeah. and can't go. Yeah, and of course those businesses deserve uh, to stay in business and hopefully they will um, irrespective of, you know, it looks like the publicans and the, the hoteliers and the restaurateurs are the only people entitled to make money. That's right, and uh, they they give very little back whereas those shops we're talking about that sell, for instance, hardware and things like that, that's what keeps a city alive. Connor Skeen, uh, thank you very much for joining us. Connor is Sunday Independent columnist, uh, town planner and urban theorist. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.